Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. As those are able to please stand for our first lesson, it comes from Genesis. It is in chapter 32, picking up with verse 22. And listen now to the Word of God. The same night, Jacob got up, and he took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across a stream, and likewise everything that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint, joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have been prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. And so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. And the sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. And therefore to this day the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. This comes from, this New Testament reading comes from the 15th chapter of Acts. It is in a section where Paul and Barnabas have been sharing God's news of Jesus Christ, particularly in Syria, in Antioch, in that region. And we have this part beginning in ch chapter 15, verse 1. Then certain individuals came down to Antioch from Judea, and they were teaching the brothers Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. So they were sent on their way by the church. And as they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, they reported the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the believers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some believers, who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees, stood up and said, It is necessary for them to be circumcised in order to keep the law of Moses. 
the apostles and the elders met together to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, My brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that I should be the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, and just as God did to us. And in cleansing their hearts, God has made no distinction between them and us. Now, therefore, why are you putting to the God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. The whole assembly kept silence and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, My brothers, listen to me. Simon has related to you how God first looked favorably on the Gentiles to take from among them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophet, as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the dwelling of David, which has fallen. From its ruins I will rebuild it, and I will set it up, so that after all the other peoples may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles over whom my name has been called, thus says the Lord, who has been making these things known from long ago. Therefore, James concluded, I have reached the decision that we should not trouble those Gentiles who are turning to God, but we should write to them to abstain only from things polluted by idols and from fornication and from whatever has been strangled and from blood. For in every city for generations past, Moses has had those who proclaim him, for he has been read aloud every Sabbath in the synagogues. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. You may know the word play or the hand play. Here is the church, and if you know it, you can follow along with me. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors. See all the people. You know that? You can even wiggle your fingers to make sure the people are still moving around in there. It's a fun way for us to remember what the church is. It is playful, and that is good. We think of the church as a place where people gather. There is a building, there are doors, there are windows, there are things that happen in this building and in other buildings. There are signs outside that say, this is a church. But in other places in the world, maybe even in other places close to us, people gather in church in not the same sort of building or in different kinds of buildings, or sometimes not even in buildings at homes at, at all, but in homes. And that gets to the point of that little play exercise. The church is people. The church are the people who gather. The space doesn't have to be defined as dedicated space, but it is a space dedicated to God's presence with us. The Apostle Paul said that the church is the body of Christ. That's a beautiful poetic image. The body of Christ, you and I, 
What part of the body are you? There's a hymn that's called, We Are the Church, and the refrain of it is, I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus, all around the world, yes, we are the church together. That's a great answer. All who follow Jesus, all around the world, yes, we're the church together. But how do we do that? How do we do this following Jesus stuff? In the early years after Jesus had died and been raised again and rose into heaven, the disciples followed Him. They focused on the message of God's power and love that came in, was shared in Jesus. And they took that out with them to the Jewish community, but also to others who were not of that family of faith. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are really one continuous story of how that happens, how the children of, of God learn the story of Jesus. But there were some who questioned that because Jesus was supposed to be the Messiah for the Jews. So what was the connection? What was the relationship that was there? In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, there is an arc that tells the, the direction of the story. The risen Christ, after resurrection and before ascension, He says to the gathered disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the world. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. We could say today that God's Holy Spirit will show up, and we will share God's news of love in Jesus Christ in Columbus and in Georgia and in the United States and in the world. We carry that message forward. But how do we do that? What does that mean? I mean, let's face it, we're the frozen chosen, right? So what does it look like when the Holy Spirit shows up with us, right? We laugh a little bit. That's good. That's good. We could say we have the Ten Commandments. There are a whole lot of things we're not supposed to do. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't. Those are things we're not supposed to do. There's the golden rule. If we want to look at doing, at doing things, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So there are things we don't do, and then there are the things that we act upon. And then, of course, we have the Nicene Creed, right? Every Sunday in a worship service, we will use a variety of statements that come to us, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And isn't the Nicene Creed about being nice? Yeah? That's a bad joke. <laughs> Being a follower of Jesus, though, is not simply about following a list of rules. It's not about not doing certain things and doing other things. It's not about being nice. Jesus did not always follow the rules of His own day, and Jesus wasn't always nice. In those early years, 
the disciples following Jesus were figuring it out. They were wrestling with what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Peter and Paul wanted to, Peter and Barnabas wanted to share that with others, Paul and Barnabas, and they struggled with those who wanted to hold it in. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was the Messiah for the Jewish people. Is that a self-contained prophecy, or is there a way in which God in Jesus was looking at something else out there in the world? It became a controversy, a boiling point. And Acts 15 records the, the high water mark of that, that argument. Just what part of religion do you have to accept to be a follower of Jesus? Just what do you have to do to do that? Do you, are, are you required to become circumcised for all the males? Are there other ways of looking at this? Acts 15 is a wrestling match, just maybe like Genesis 32 was. Genesis 32 is where Jacob, who had fled from his family home and abandoned his family, was seeking to reunite with his brother. He was… he had taken things, and he was seeking to come back with his new family, with his new wives and his children. He was seeking to be reunited, but it was not an easy return because God told Jacob, He said, you need to remember where you are. You need to remember who you are, and you need to remember who I am as well. It was as if Jacob was wrestling with God, and Jacob was also wrestling with his brother. How do we work this out? The figure that Genesis 32 speaks about is a figure of unknown sketchy detail. It's described as a man, but there are things about that that are strange. What man would say, I have to be gone when the daylight comes? There is some extra something there, some divine nature of how that figure is wrestling with Jacob. But Jacob won't let go. Jacob says, you have hurt me. You have maimed me even, but I will not let you go unless you give me a blessing. Now, a blessing is an opposite of a condemnation. That's another way of saying it's the opposite of damnation. When we say, bless you, when a person sneezes or when we're exchanging greetings, we are saying the opposite of, you know that. And Jacob wanted a blessing. Jacob held fast for some form of blessing, some affirmation, some way of living life. And so the man said, I will give you a new name, the name of Israel, the one who wrestles with God and perseveres. It was special. And Jacob knew that. And he had been struggling and wrestling with God and with his family all of his life, and now he has a name 
that he is the one who wrestles with God. And he has an opportunity to build from his family, his children, and the generations that will come the fulfillment of the promise that God had shared with Abraham and Sarah. There is hope. There is promise. And it came in wrestling. Acts 15 also is a wrestling match. Some want to adhere to the old ways of doing things. They want to go back to the ways of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and his wives and all of their children. Others say, Jesus opens us up to new ways. So they come together and they wrestle and they argue and they search the Scripture. And then James, who tradition tells us was the brother of Jesus, makes a judgment. He decides. He says, look, let's not trouble those Gentiles that have come to know God in Christ. Let them be. Let them be part of us. There are certain things that aren't good for them to do, and we'll write a letter about that. We'll send it to other churches, but let them come and let them be part of us. Craig Blomberg is an evangelical New Testament scholar, and he has thought long and hard about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He studied the book of Acts, and he looked at all the cases where the disciples and the followers of Jesus shared Christ with Gentiles and how that happened and what the arguments were. And he, he writes this, our inspired authors clearly oppose non-Christian religions and their practitioners, but their dominant strategy is to call them to repentance via making the gospel as winsome as possible. They in other words, they, they, they want to be attractive. They want to open up the gospel with their ability to share that. He continues, the harshest rhetoric is always reserved for the ultra-conservative religious leaders who transgress key boundaries, especially those who should know better. By way of contrast, he concludes, the last century of American evangelicalism has majored in creating extensive doctrinal statements to separate itself from outsiders, usually adding numerous adiaphori, and I had to look that word up. Adiaphori means indifferent things. So they were adding things that didn't matter to the more central matters, to the most central matters. In other words, Christians have a tendency to want to add stuff in to what it means to follow Jesus. And it's not just evangelicals who do this. It is across the board in different ways. We want to make things part of what's important. Certainly what I believe is important, and that should be at the core of all of this. But in the end, we have to ask ourselves, really, are these extra things that we are trying to make, are they the core of our faith? Are they the things that allow us to follow Jesus or not? What is the church? The church is the followers of Jesus. And how we organize ourselves to be the followers of Jesus is just that. It is how we organize ourselves to be the followers of Jesus. Nothing more nothing less. First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, you have been in a wrestling match for the last year or so. 
What denominational affiliation does the congregation choose? What do you need to have? Do we stay with the affiliation of the Presbyterian Church USA that we've had, or do we seek another choice? You had a process that was defined for that, and you voted on it. And the result of the vote was that you did not change your affiliation. I've been with you now for just two months. I would say that as I have lived with you and spoken with you and heard you, what I perceive and experienced was not so much a vote to keep one affiliation over the other that succeeded rather than it was a vote to leave that failed. There's a lot of fallout about that. We are a people who don't like to fail. Are we? I don't, and I don't think you do either. We don't like to fail. But there we are on the front page of the paper, in the Internet, and there are consequences. Friendships have been severed or broken. Relationships of long-standing have been strained. Family members go to different churches now. As followers of Jesus Christ, we hold a hope that God came into the world to share new life and new hope and newness, a new creation, not only for a time long ago, but for now and for the time that will be as well. Now, how do we live into that? The work that is here before us in First Presbyterian Church is to find out how we can be the body of Christ, how we are the body of Christ together in this time, in this place, having gone through all of the struggles, all of the wrestling that we have. That means dealing with the results that we have, confronting brokenness, and failure as it is before us. It's not the end of the world, but it is the beginning. It's a new beginning. There was fallout as well, not only here, but there was fallout at the early church in Acts. Paul and Barnabas had been given authority to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who were not Jews. They were given approval to do that. Go share that with the Gentiles. You could say they won. And they began organizing themselves to do that, to do exactly that. They had been on a journey together and so they began bringing their team together to go on a second journey. But as they did that, Paul and Barnabas had an argument. And the argument was this. They had a companion previously named John Mark. And Barnabas wanted John Mark to go with them. But Paul would have nothing of it. Evidently, John Mark had left their joint venture earlier and Paul felt so strongly that he did not want to have anything to do with John Mark. 
that he said, now I don't want this man coming with us at all. And Barnabas said, he is. And Paul said, he's not. And the result was they broke apart. They severed their partnership. They severed their relationship to serve together. There is evidence in other places in the New Testament, some of Paul's letters, that there were ways of reconciliation that happened. But we're not told in the book of Acts what that looked like. There's a hope for it, a hint of it, a power for it. Paul and Barnabas and those who traveled with them went their separate directions, but each continued to share the good news of God and Jesus Christ. It could be said that this was a division that resulted in a multiplication. Each continued to sow seeds, each continued to bear fruit, each continued to share God's love that came in Jesus Christ. Jacob was wrestling. He wrestled for a blessing. He received a new name and a new hope. The church in Acts 15 was wrestling with a message of how to share the coming of God in Jesus Christ. Who can follow? What does that mean? Even Paul and Barnabas wrestled with that. Who will go with us? The resolution was not, was not sure, but they continued to wrestle. First Presbyterian Church, we are wrestling with this same issue. And all people, all people who follow Christ in the world wrestle with this issue. How do we follow Jesus Christ? We love God. We join together. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus, all around the world, yes, yes, we're the church together. Thanks be to God. Amen.